We are in Revelation 19, if you'd want to turn back there in your Bible. Um, we'll get there in a couple minutes, back to uh, Revelation 19. Annette and the boys and I were away for a week of vacation over last Sunday, and uh, Lord willing, we're going to be gone again for just a couple days in a couple weeks. So I'm going to talk about what I learned over summer vacation after I returned from that second trip, in, in case you were wondering. Uh, and even if you weren't, that's the case. Um, it is nice, let me say thank you to all those who, who filled in, Pastor Dwight and others. It is so nice to be able to leave and feel total confidence that things are just going to be fine while you're gone. Uh, although I will admit, I always on our way back into town after uh, we're gone on vacation, as we pass by Thompson Hood out here and the Metcalfs on 29, as we're you know just driving back into town, I always look toward the church buildings, uh, and I'm always strangely relieved to see them still standing. <laughs> and I hope that's always the case. Uh, if you have been with us uh, for the past few weeks, not just last Sunday, but the weeks preceding that, we, you know we've been talking about the church as being Jesus' bride, Jesus' wife, we have used that term, which means that even though every indication is that, Je- is that Jesus was single during his whole earthly life, Jesus was and is also married. Uh, Jesus knows what marriage is like, and he can help us understand what marriage is to be. What is marriage, really? A lot of people have asked that question through the ages. Our culture has wrestled with it greatly, in fact, uh, more recently. What is marriage? Why do people get married? Lots of people have asked that question too. Some after it was too late. (laughs) Why did I do this? What is marriage and why do people get married? Now, some never do marry in in earthly terms. I realize that. Some of you have not or have not yet. Uh, Some do not by their own choice. Some by God's will and plan. Some circumstantially, some for for other reasons. And that's all well and good. Singleness, let me say, singleness is is valid and it is legitimate. And and our society in general, and and frankly the church in particular, should do far better in affirming that. So let me just say that. Um, Today, though, uh, the question is, what is marriage? And why would persons want to be married? Well, there are consequences of marriage, aren't there? There are blessings that arise from marriage that are attractive. Uh, For example, marriage is a method of companionship. Some people marry because they don't want to be alone. They want to live their life by themselves. Marriage is one way of of having children, of becoming a parent. Uh, Marriage is the path to sexual enjoyment as God designed it. Marriage is a way to have someone look out for you or or even look after you in age and in sickness. Um, 
Marriage is, is economical in, in many ways. It's cheaper for two to live together than for two to live separately. It's cheaper housing and cheaper utilities and cheaper food, uh, cheaper taxes. <laughs> um, those are just some of the benefits of of marriage, and I must say, I have known people who have gotten married expressly to get for themselves some of those benefits. I've known a few people, actually, and unfortunately, who have married to get just one of those benefits. And you probably know which one I'm talking about. The benefit, not the person. <laughs> um, but you know, as great as those and other benefits of marriage are, they do not, either separately or together, define marriage. Uh, marriage is far more than the sum of its parts. So what is marriage? Uh, well, if I were to dare to boil it down to one word, I would suggest that, that marriage is Connection. Or, or maybe even better, an even better word. Marriage is union. Union. And specifically, the deepest, most intimate union possible. Marriage is union. Now, some people don't see it that way. And some people certainly don't treat it that way. Uh, some people marry only to achieve something for themselves. But, but those who marry only to get, as long as that is their purpose, to get, they will never truly connect with another. And in those cases, union never really completely happens. And that is unfortunate. And that is sad. Because that's just not marriage as God designed it to be. Union is much more than a man and a woman seeking personal gain. Now, of course, it's obvious, uh, biologically, God designed men and women for physical union with each other. Anyone who's taken a fifth grade health class knows that, or ought to know that. Uh, what is not so obvious, though still very true, is that God designed men and women for emotional and mental and spiritual union as well. Men and women... Giving themselves, not just biologically, but giving all of themselves to one another as completely as they know how to do. That is union. That is marriage. All of me for all of you. All of you for all of me. It's whole selves giving whole selves one to another. And you see the key word there is giving, giving, not getting. Which is why, of course, 
that people who marry in order to get something for themselves, whether that's companionship or sex or kids or a caregiver or a tax write-off or whatever it is, people who wind up marrying in order to get, that's all they understand about it. Those people typically wind up disillusioned, disappointed, and more and more often in our culture, divorced. Uh, they married in order to get. But, but marriage is chiefly about giving. And if there's any doubt about that, we need only to look at the example of Jesus and, and the church. We have seen in these past weeks, as we've looked at this, that marriage is, is the metaphor, it's the illustration that God gives us for the relationship that he wants to have with us. That means that, that we can understand the sort of relationship God wants to have with every person through what we know of human marriage. It's something related to that. At the same time, though, our understanding of human marriage is deepened. It's informed. We can see human marriage at its fullest and at its best as God designed it to be in God's relationship with us and especially through Jesus and the church. God intends these two realities to kind of build on each other and to help us better understand and to take us deeper and deeper into union. Union. What God wants, what God is after, is union. And not union with, with everything either. Not union with his whole created order. No, as, as great as they are, God is not out for union with dogs or trees or lizards or rocks or hydrangea bushes. Union is special and it's reserved for people, humans, we who are made in his own image. Regardless of what the unbelieving world tries to tell us, humans are different. We are different. People are different. God made us different than all other creation. He made us for union with himself. What's that mean? Well, similar to human marriage... It does not mean the elimination of self or individuality. We are all people God made, uniquely created, uniquely gifted. Union does not eliminate that. Marriage is not the eradication of self. Marriage is that way. Marriage is that union that helps us rightly understand self, in fact. Marriage is that union that helps us see that the true worth of self will never be found in what we get, but rather in what we give to others. That is what is so important about union, you see. 
Union is inextricably bound up with giving. You can't separate them. You can't experience true union without giving. That's why the most peaceful, settled, genuinely joy-filled people are those who are living in true union with God. They're not those that are out looking to get something from God. They are living in union with God. And by the way, that's also why the happiest human marriages are between those who truly understand the union of being married to God before they are married to one another. Union is bound up with giving. You cannot experience true union without giving. And of course, the ultimate example of giving lived out is is Jesus early on in this series I said that a study of the church of Jesus bride will tell us way more about Jesus than it'll tell us about us and that is so true because you can't ever hope to have a real marriage you can't ever hope to have true union without at least one of the two members completely committed to giving. We've seen how God the Father in the Old Testament, and then how Jesus the Son in the New Testament, give and give and give and give to people, to us, to the pinnacle of creation, all for the sake of, of union. God made us. He loves us. He wants us to love him. He wants us to be connected with him, but he's given us the choice to love him because there's no such thing as forced love. To quote the renowned theologian George Strait, you can't make a heart love somebody. You can tell it what to do, but it won't listen at all. You can't make a heart love somebody. You can lead a heart to love, but you can't make it fall. The whole story of this great dance between God and humanity is this repeated giving on God's part. Giving and giving and giving and giving, inviting, enticing his creation Back to himself. Ultimately, through the giving of the life of Jesus. It's God saying, through prophet after prophet, over and over and over again, it's God saying, surely they will love me when they remember how I have cared for them. Surely they will love me when they recall how I have provided for them. Surely they will love me when they realize how much I've helped them, fought for them. Surely they will love me when they see me die for them. Surely then they will come back to me. They will want the union with me that we had in the garden. The union that I still want with them for their own blessing. 
for their own good. Surely they will want me again. Do you realize that's how God thinks about us? It's true. This is what the Almighty One does. This is how the Almighty One gives for the sake of union with us. In verse 6 of that passage, we see the term, the Lord God Almighty. That word, Almighty, is used only ten times in the whole New Testament, and nine of them in Revelation. It means the one who controls all things. And yet, he doesn't control his beloved's hearts. So he gives himself to prove his love for them. In fact, nearly the whole Bible, if you look at it as a whole, nearly the whole thing is the accounting, it's the telling of all the ways God himself gives in pursuit of union, reunion with those he made and those he loves. He gives himself for the sake of reuniting himself with us once and for all. His people, all people who will choose to love him and give ourselves in return to him. To give our whole selves to him as completely as we know how to do. That's the way to union, you see. God's already done it. He's already done his part. In Jesus, he's given all of him for us. And so he now invites us to give all of ourselves to him in marriage, in union. So there might be this reunion. Reunion. There's a duet in the late 70s. I think it was 1978. It's a man and a woman... I don't know what their real names were, but they called themselves Peaches and Herb. You remember that? Anybody? Their one and only song that made it big was called Reunited. It's been playing in my mind ever since I got into this passage. Uh, Of course, they were singing about this couple who had a fight, I guess, and broke up. And now they realize they're coming back together. But if you read the lyrics of that song, there's a ton of it that applies to the way God feels about us. He wants, and he has done all he can do, that we might be reunited with him again. That's why in this passage, there is so much celebration. There are more hallelujahs. Praise God, that's what that means. There are more hallelujahs in this little passage than anywhere else in the Bible. Why? Because the reunion is coming. They can see it coming. This great crowd in heaven shouts it over and over again. Hallelujah. The 24 elders were shouting it. They represent the 12 patriarchs and the 12 apostles. That's the whole of the church. God's people. Both testaments, you see. Everybody is shouting, praise God. 
because of his salvation, because of his glory, because of his power, because of his just judgments, and, and, and he is true, all of that stuff. But they're especially shouting praise because, verse 7 there, the wedding of the Lamb has come. The reunion between God and his people. It's at hand. They can see it. They know it's just about there. The bride has not only been declared holy, she has become holy. And her beauty and her purity, they're stunning. It's the coming of the rule of God. It's the consummation of God's victory. It's, it's the completion of the redemption of creation. It's all of those things. But you know, even more, it's the restoration of the goal of creation from the very beginning. God's desire for the deepest, most perfect, most blessed union possible with us. With us. That it finally happens here is almost too good to be true, especially for people who've been persecuted and harassed for their faith. But it happens. The reunion of the bride and the groom, all because of the immense love and mercy and grace of God the Father. All because of the giving of Jesus. You see, all of him given for all of us. He gave his whole self for us. So the question we all have to answer is, will we give our whole self for him? That is the way. That's the only way to, to reunion. Divine reunion. We don't want to miss it. God doesn't want anyone to miss it. Something that's worthy of all this celebration? <laughs> it's nothing less than, than, the, than the culmination of creation. The great marriage. The great reunion. We don't want to miss it. God doesn't want us to miss it. But... He leaves the choice to us. Will you be there? Will you participate in this great reunion? The marriage supper of the Lamb. You've got the invitation. Every one of us has it. We have the invitation. God has given all he can give to make it so. Will you hold no part of yourself back? And give all to him in return. For the sake of union. For the sake of this reunion. To come. Father we thank you. For this image. We thank you for this reality. We thank you for the grace and the mercy. That you have poured out upon us. All that you have given. And continue to give. To demonstrate your love for us. Lord, you've given all, all that you can. Lord, help us to give all of ourselves to you in return. So the wedding feast, this wedding ceremony, 
might include every person here, every person in all of our families represented here. So there will be great joy in the coming together with you and with one another. Lord, help us to see how much you love us (laughs) and help us never to take that love and that giving for granted. We look forward to that day, Lord, in your time and in your way. And we offer ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.